special technique. Special technique of shadow boxing. Uh, for a good a 
amount of time in their professional careers. Of course, you had Daniel Jacobs as the uh, former WBA regular champion uh, up until, you know, March of 2017 where he faced uh, Gennady Golovkin and Gennady Golovkin got the decision over Daniel Jacobs. And so, you know, after that, uh, you had, you know, uh, Sergey Drevyanchenko, you know, coming up in the ranks, um, you know, undefeated uh, there in the middleweight division, uh, had uh, worked his way up to uh, become the number one contender for the IBF uh, title. Um, you know, he had his win over Toriano Johnson, uh, who at the time was, you know, one of the top rated guys in the IBF rankings uh, before uh, he, you know, became the, you know, I would say the um, highest rate contender there uh, for the IBF title. Um, earlier this year, uh, Gennady Golovkin uh, was the uh, top contender for you know, that belt, and, you know, with uh, Golovkin, I would say is that, you know, we had the unified titles, uh, which included the IVF title. Um, we know about what happened uh, for the date, May 5th of 2018. Uh, he was scheduled to face um, Canelo Alvarez in May of uh, 2018, uh, but that didn't happen. And so, as a result, Gennady Golovkin ended up facing Baines Marrosian. Uh That particular fight triggered the IBF to uh, make a decision there and say, hey, um, you know, you weren't able to face Canelo Alvarez on, uh, you know, May 5th, 2018. And, you know, as a uh, result, we, we, we got to have you facing our mandatory and so, um, Gennady Golovkin, you know, ended up uh, not, you know, facing Sergei Derevianchenko and ended up uh, giving up the belt. And so that is how we're, you know, able to get to this particular position uh, here so far. And... Um, you know, now uh, what we have is we have this date coming up with Daniel Jacobs against Sergey Drevianchenko. And, um, you know, with that being said, um, pretty much going to try to get into uh, the discussion here for this particular matchup. Um, just trying to arrange a few things here, trying to go live on uh, Facebook through the boxing source um page so uh for those that wanted to you know tune in through that uh, they're able to do so um so you know here with this uh, particular uh thing on um you know Jacobs and Derevianchenko at the um Hulu Theater in Madison Square Garden you know you had uh, something between these two guys and 
course, both of them are familiar with each other. Uh, you had, you know, Daniel Jacobs being under the tutelage of Andre Rozier. Uh, you also had Sergey Drevianchenko when he was coming up in the ranks in the middleweight division, also under the tutelage of Andre Rozier. And, you know, once this uh, matchup was uh, put together, the first, uh, you know, question that was uh, coming up was that, okay, who is Andre Rozier going to train um, in their particular matchup? And, of course, uh, with Andre Rozier having a very close relationship with Daniel Jacobs, he chose to uh, train Daniel Jacobs in this particular fight. So, going into this, uh, you had, you know, um, Jacobs, Revianchenko, uh, two guys that are very familiar with each other, uh, two guys, you know, that are very skilled in the middleweight division. Uh, we did see that there was like a significant uh, height advantage for Daniel Jacobs, um, but, you know, that, you know, didn't necessarily have the, you know, overall uh, thing that's going on uh, as far as like, you know, who would be an overwhelming favorite, even though a lot of people kind of like felt that um, Jacobs would be a favorite in the fight here between him and Derivianchenko. Uh First round was, you know, basically a uh, feeling out round between the two. Of course, you're going to get something like that between two guys that have a lot of respect for each other, uh, two guys that, you know, were very familiar with each other and what our strengths and weaknesses were. Um, and, you know, what we, you know, got was uh, something to where you're trying to see what the gauge was as far as, like, you know, Daniel Jacobs' range and power. And this was pretty much like the one of – pretty much the first time, I would say, excuse me, the first time that a lot of people saw Sergey Derevianchenko in a big-time event. Um, so, you know, with that – um, that's uh, basically what we had in this um, particular matchup. Uh, so the thing is, um, with that, um, you wanted to, you know, get the uh, things there um, in reference to uh, both of that. Um, just trying to figure out uh, something here real fast. I'm going through a little bit of technical difficulties on the uh, side of the uh, Facebook. So I wanted to uh, see if I could try to put um, try to put uh, this thing on live on Facebook once again. So um, that's what I'm gonna you know try to base uh, do here uh, in the process, but. Uh, like I was saying, in the first round, you kind of like had a filling out process between Daniel Jacobs and Sergey Derevianchenko. Um, it didn't take until pretty much near the uh, last minute of the round before you kind of like saw some real engagement between the two. Um, and this is like when Daniel Jacobs was like kind of like focusing on his opponent there with Derevianchenko and, you know, eventually uh, getting to the point where 
uh, he was able to catch Derevyanchenko um, on the, the pretty much on the chin uh, and then affect him uh, very much uh, right there. So, um, you know, the thing about it is, is that, um, you know, with that, the challenger was uh, knocked down by Daniel Jacobs uh, there and got a uh, count in the first round. So uh, you already had a, a first round knockdown in this fight between the two, which kind of like gave um, you know people the inclination that it might be an easy night for Daniel Jacobs. Um, so first round, you pretty much had a good start uh, by Daniel Jacobs. Was already getting the ten eight round uh, there so far, and you know on, on that instant. You probably would have said that Sergey Drevianchenko um, probably got into this uh, matchup a little bit too soon. So, you know, here I, I would say that you kind of like have Sergey Drevianchenko pretty much try to um, adjust in this matchup with uh, Daniel Jacobs. Um, you know, from that uh, second round, you know, pretty much that second round on, I would say that Daniel Jacobs was kind of like measuring where Sergey Drevianchenko would be uh, because with Drevianchenko, it looked like he didn't want to set up a lot of his punches. Uh, it seemed like he just wanted to get up close to Daniel Jacobs and then wail on Daniel Jacobs once he got close enough to be within range. So it wasn't like he kind of like set things up with the jab or anything like that, um, you know, or, or tried to, you know, give Daniel Jacobs different looks uh, while, he, while he was there in front of Daniel Jacobs. Um, you didn't necessarily see that um, you had Sergey Drevianchenko kind of like bob and weave with his head a little bit um, whenever Daniel Jacobs, you know, started to throw a jab. Uh, but when Daniel Jacobs didn't throw a jab, Sergey Derevianchenko was able to try to get into the inside and then, you know, kind of like back Daniel Jacobs up into the ropes and then throw a couple of combinations here and there. However, it wasn't about as active enough as he probably could have been uh, to where you kind of like seen openings from Daniel Jacobs, especially when Jacobs dropped, um, you know, his left hand a little bit. Um, so Sergey Derevianchenko was able to be um, successful with the right hand in a, a couple of times. Uh, but, you know, with that, um, he, you know, didn't necessarily follow through enough, um, especially when Daniel Jacobs was, you know, able to, you know, be inside the pocket and then kind of like get outside of the pocket when Drevianchenko was able to get in there in close quarters. Now, when Daniel Jacobs was not able to get or when he was able to get out of those close quarters, he didn't necessarily see like a left hand coming out of uh, Sergey Drevianchenko. You just saw him still be there, um, you know, with his hands up instead of, 
throwing a shot to kind of like get like an extra boost uh, there from the, um, you know, close uh, encounters between the two. Uh, so that kind of like affected Sergei Derevyanchenko a little bit, you know, in those uh, like early to middle rounds, pretty much from like rounds two to rounds six and seven, right? So while you had that on Derevyanchenko's side, with Daniel Jacobs' side, you kind of like didn't see him execute the jab a little bit much. To me, I didn't see the jab as much as I did in his previous fights, particularly in his fight between him and Gennady Golovkin, and then also, you know, him when he was going up against Luis Arias, and then in uh, his fight with Marcy Selecki. But it kind of like goes into the whole little bit about Daniel Jacobs as far as like how he fights against his opponents. It almost seems like when the expectation is that he's supposed to like blow right through his opponent, he doesn't necessarily execute in the fight like he's supposed to blow right through the opponent. But when he's going up against like a tough challenge, then you kind of like see Daniel Jacobs at the best of his abilities. Now, with here against uh, Sergey Derevyanchenko, uh, he was able to score a little bit well, you know, at times, um, you know, when, when he was in close. And also, you know, when he kind of like knew his range between him and Derevyanchenko, because sometimes when Derevyanchenko threw a lot of the shots that he had and missed, then Daniel Jacobs was able to make him pay with a couple of shots to the body. So, you know, pretty much through, you know, um, pretty much through those first series of rounds, you kind of like seeing Daniel Jacobs have a um, strategy of countering Derevyanchenko with punches to the body. You know, and, um, you know, when, when he was doing that, he was kind of trying to see if he could, you know, take down the stamina of Derevianchenko down in the later rounds. Okay. So that was pretty much his strategy through that. Um, you know, but while that was happening, you know, Derevianchenko still looked like he was pursuing him, still like he was going after him and things, things like that. But um, starting from, I would say, the fifth or sixth round, you saw the effects or overall effects of one, Derevianchenko being in his first fight that was 12 rounds, and two, the effect of Daniel Jacobs throwing those punches to the body. Because, you know, in between rounds, I would say, you know, rounds five, six, and seven, you kind of like seeing Derevianchenko's um, body language look like, ooh, I'm getting work, ooh, I'm getting work, ooh, I'm getting work. So kind of like seeing him with his, you know, mouth open, going up, going, you know, after Jacobs and uh, things like that. Um, and then, you know, still trying to go through the fight, still trying to go through the fight. Now, even with that, you know, fatigue, he was still working. He was still going after Daniel Jacobs. Um, and it kind of like seemed like it was um, affecting the judges, as uh, we'll be able to, you know, talk about. Uh, later on uh, here, but, you know, after rounds eight or nine, you know, I would say that Revianchenko kind of like was getting back into the fight and almost, it almost like seemed like it was the story of Daniel Jacobs in the past was that he would kind of be able to do good early, but fade a little bit later in the fight. And it almost 
seem like that was the case here against Sergei Derevyanchenko because what happened was it looked like the overall output from Daniel Jacobs um, was going down while the activity of Sergei Derevyanchenko was going up. And so that strategy of, you know, working the body and going to the middle and, you know, countering and things like that um, didn't seem like it really affected Sergei Derevyanchenko uh, from rounds, you know, 10, 11, and 12. Uh, so what you had was you had Derevyanchenko kind of like working and then being able to connect well on his punches on Daniel Jacobs like he was trying to do in the earlier rounds. Um but, you know, on the flip side, you didn't have Daniel Jacobs countering like he usually was countering in those first uh, few rounds or so. So the things that you were looking for as far as, like, the punches to the body, counter punches to the body, uh, the left hand, um, switching from, you know, orthodox style to southpaw style, which is what Daniel Jacobs uh, did in those, specifically in the first half of the fight, was that you didn't see – him kind of like switch from, you know, um, orthodox to southpaw that like kind of like get away a little bit or get back a little bit uh, from, you know, um, Derevianchenko's right hand. Uh, so you kind of like didn't see that switch up there between um, Daniel Jacobs uh, there reacting to Sergei Derevianchenko in the uh, second half of the fight, which probably, you know, was, what was what made um Derevianchenko get back into the fight. Okay. So, you know, in round twelve, uh you pretty much got like the best out of both of those guys. Um a lot of, you know, upfront action, a lot of, you know, swinging for the fences, um, you know, pretty much a war of attrition of sorts between the two. And um, you know, a lot of punches were getting connected there between uh, Sergei Derevyanchenko and Daniel Jacobs. Um, and, you know, at the end of the fight, I kind of like felt that, you know, Daniel Jacobs should have been uh, comfortably ahead uh, in this particular fight. Um, but the scorecard said otherwise. Um, you know, Daniel Jacobs ended up getting the win, ended up getting the uh, vacant IBF middleweight championship. But he won by split decision. Um, you know, the you know, Julie Letterman gave Sergey Derevianchenko seven uh rounds. So it was seven five and then you count that knockdown that uh, Daniel Jacobs had uh for you know uh Sergey Derevianchenko to get the score of one fourteen and one thirteen on that uh scorecard. Uh but Dean Jacobs was able to get the, you know, other two um, scorecards and get the win to become the IBF middleweight champion of the world. Um, it was a, like I said, it was a good little matchup between two guys that were familiar with each other, been in the same gym. Um, it was under the two lists of the same trainer uh, for a long time. Um it was just that, you know, I kind of like favorite Jacobs to uh, get the win there. And for me personally, being a fan of Daniel Jacobs, I kind of like expected a little bit better uh, from him. Uh, you know, being able to 
try to engage a little bit more, um, work the jab a little bit more. I didn't see, you know, a lot of the jab uh, from Daniel Jacobs in this particular fight with the Derevianchenko. Um, I think that if he was able to do that, he would be a lot more successful, especially with a guy that, you know, kind of like was right in front of you, pretty much right in your line of attack if you, you know, basically were able to do that. Um, and I, I would kind of like say that, you know, he didn't necessarily carry that momentum of that first round knockdown to kind of like get Derevianchenko in you know, troubled waters, I would say, you know. Um, I think that, you know, Drevianchenko was able to feel, you know, what Daniel Jacobs could do there, you know, with with, with this power shot. Um, but, you know, even though Drevianchenko kind of like responded a little bit in round two, it wasn't, you know, as much as what we saw in round one, okay. So, you know, with that being said, you know, you have – Daniel Jacobs being able to move on as far as like his overall status in the middleweight division. Uh, you know, going through, you know, a quick thing there with the middleweight division. You have Daniel Jacobs, their IBF middleweight champion over Sergey Derevianchenko. The previous week you had Demetrius Andrade get the WBO version of the middleweight championship with his win over Walter. Carlton Dakwa. Okay. We also had last month, of course, Canelo Alvarez defeating Gennady Golovkin to get the WBC version and the WBA Super Championship there in the middleweight division. So you have Canelo Alvarez, you have Demetrius Andrade, you have Daniel Jacobs as the champions right there. Um, that still, you know, doesn't mean that you kind of like have um, other contenders out there. I mean, Sergey Derevianchenko is a very, very tough opponent, very, very tough guy uh, to have there in the ring with. And, and that's what Daniel Jacobs emphasized after uh, the particular fight uh, that he had with him. And, uh, of course, you have a former world champion, unified champion, Gennady Golovkin, that's still out there. Um you also have, when he comes out of uh, suspension, Billy Joe Saunders, who held the WBO uh, middleweight championship before being tested positive uh, there with the Godzilla frame. Uh, so, and then you got Jamal Charlo, uh, who, you know, will be able to discuss in detail uh, what's in his uh, near future uh, there as, you know, Charlo is the, mandatory, in a mandatory position for the WBC middleweight championship. Um, so, you know, a lot of guys that are out there, um, you know, some that, you know, I still, you know, wasn't able to mention. Of course, uh, you still have David Lemieux uh, there that did have his um, first round knockout over Spike O'Sullivan in that fight card that had the rematch of Canelo Alvarez and Gennady Golovkin. So, um, you know, he's going to be out there floating around saying, hey, I, I want one more, you know, title shot, you know, see which way, you know, he'll be able to go to, you know, try and get that. Um, so uh, middleweight division uh, has like a lot of contenders. Um, you know, HBO, you know, in this particular telecast uh, that they had was um, 
understand, well, particularly with uh, Max Kellerman um, and, you know, Roy Jones out there, uh, that, you know, the middleweight division kind of like seems like the division that could have a lot of activity uh, over the next 12 to 15 months with their top contenders, uh, with their title holders. Um, you know, we'll be able to see if we can get that. Um, you know, Tim Lampley was able to, you know, give his input as well, uh, saying that, hey, you know, the difference that, you know, that's being seen out here is that, you know, in the welterweight division, you have the big names in the welterweight division out there, but it doesn't seem like, you know, they're fighting each other. But here in the middleweight division, uh, you see that, you know, a lot of them are uh, fighting each other here. Uh, let me see if I could get uh, my caller in here, uh, 646. Um, tell us your name, where you're calling from. Hey, what's up, this is JR, this is Matt. You know, I'm from the Gloom Tomb in the Bronx, New York City, BX Stand Up. Um, I was listening to you talking about how the middleweight division is shaking out, and I think it's um, – I think Jacobs kind of put himself in a great position, basically, because to me he could have his pick of any of the middleweight champions. He doesn't want to fight Andre. He said that you know they're like brothers, and they're not going to fight unless it's for big money and for undisputed. He still has the Canelo fight, which he's like the favorite to get in May, and there's always Billy Joe Saunders. You know, Billy Joe going to be looking to get back on the horse uh, once he finishes his nasal spray. So, you know, I think Daniel Jacobs, he is in prime position. He's a promotional free agent with a belt, and he's with basically the promoter that has access to all the middleweight. So I can't wait to see what he does, man. Yeah, uh, the thing with Daniel Jacobs is, you know, uh, first off, that you know he kind of like is in position to, you know, get a fight between uh, him and Canelo Alvarez, uh, which is something that you know I would you know really look forward to, um, between those two uh, competitors. And you know, going through you know what you were able to see uh, there since uh, you pretty much uh, you know out on assignment uh, there for uh, the boxing source that you kind of like heard what, you know, Daniel Jacobs uh, basically wanted uh, there as far as like his overall direction um, in his uh, career. Um, it, had, it, it seemed like a fairly interesting kind of direction uh, on the tail end of it, but, you know, his, you know, his plans are to try to see if he could, you know, go for that fight with Canelo Alvarez or a unification fight. He doesn't really want to, um, you know, have that many, I would say, uh, voluntary uh, defenses of that IBF middleweight championship. And, you know, going offhand as far as, like, what I looked at is for those IBF uh, middleweight rankings, you really don't see – I don't think I saw anybody that really stood out uh, there in the IBF rankings. So, you know, with him, he, he kind of like wants those kind of like high-profile fights there, whether it's a unification match with Canelo Alvarez or Demetrius Andrade or uh, the, the one that, you know, has been talked about over the course of the year is uh, him against Jamal Charlo. 
so that kind of is you know what he's uh, looking for uh, in his uh, particular future. So I'm kind of like you know really interested to see where where they're going to position him overall uh, in the middleweight scene. You know, what's what's your what's your thoughts about it like initially? Well, he definitely wants a piece of Charlo. He said that it's very personal between him and Charlo and if he had his if he couldn't get the Canelo fight, then that's the fight that he wants to have next. He wants to fight both, you know, but I think he wants to, you know, get that bag versus Canelo first and then, mm-hmm. you know, take out Charlo, uh, basically. Not really interested in Golovkin because, you know, after Golovkin I guess you can say he beat him since he won officially. I thought Jacobs won the fight, but that's neither here nor there. After Golovkin got the win versus Jacobs, uh, he wasn't really interested in giving Jacobs a rematch because Jacobs didn't have a belt. So uh, yesterday, as uh, we were listening to Jacobs during the post-fight press conference, he basically kept that same energy. He was like, hey, listen, Golovkin ain't got mm-hmm. no belt, so basically I'm not really worried about him right now. Sure, I might fight him down a lot, but he got to go and earn himself a belt first. So mm-hmm. we're looking at Canelo or Charlo. I don't think he can really get away with fighting anyone else because he kind of had um, the, his last his last two fights before this one uh, weren't exactly exciting opponents or great performances. So I think that this fight versus the Revdychenko got him back into the public conscience and really got him, you know, back into the tail end of the pound for pound conversation. So I think mm-hmm. he has to, he has to, has to, has to, um, basically take advantage of the position that he's in because he has all the leverage. So he better take advantage of it because if he if he fights. You know, looking at the middleweight rankings, who who we have Jack Colke, you have uh, Martin Murray, David Lemieux. You know, yeah. if he fights someone like that, you know, I think he's gonna lose a bit of the luster that he gained from yesterday's fight. So, right. Word to the wise, Danny Jacobs, you better, you know, make that fight if you can make it. Wait for wait either wait for Canelo or see what you can do to get that fight with Charlo. So those are the two biggest fights that he can make. Yeah, yeah. Um, you kind of like saw that with uh, him and Daniel Jacobs is that, you know, when, when people mention Golovkin, uh, he kind of like put it at, at, at the same, you know, level that what happened right after the fight between those two is that you had um, Tom Loeffler basically say, you know what, I mean, Golovkin has already got the win, and, you know, he, he's kind of like been set on, you know, facing Canelo Alvarez, so we don't really want to, you know, go up against uh, Daniel Jacobs once again and give him an immediate rematch of sorts. So I think that that's something that he should have, you know, he should basically do with Kennedy Golovkin. Now, Golovkin, you know, doesn't have um, any – world titles right now and you know he may not necessarily go through the route of trying to even get the WBA regular title because they had that plan about him facing Ryota Murata uh, for the WBA regular championship over in Japan but Murata had some Rob Brandt problems last week so 
that's out of the cards. So now it's like, okay, um, you know, what is, you know, Gennady Golovkin going to do? Uh, that's still up in the air, but for Daniel Jacobs, he's like, you know what? Let me try to get the biggest fights right now while I'm here in the middleweight division and uh, see what happens over the course of 2019 if he uh, gets that successful uh, fight against Canelo Alvarez. And then after that, um, you know, go go after many of those top-ranked middleweights that are out there. Um, one other thing there that you know, I kind of like noticed in the uh, post-fight press conference was that they really didn't disclose the full information about Daniel Jacobs and his overall direction and, um, when it comes to whenever his next fight is going to be, no matter who the fight is going to be against. Um, of course, you know, he's been under HBO in the, over his past few fights. Um, you know, we did have the fight against Gennady Golovkin on there. He had his fight against Luis Arias on there. He had his fight against Masi Selecki on there. And then here against Sergei Derevyanchenko. So uh, he has been a person that was, you know, under uh, HBO for a long time. But, you know, given that, HBO is going to be closing its doors um, by the end of the year. We don't know uh, what what they have uh, in store for uh, Daniel Jacobs, even though he's under the promotion of matchroom boxing. Um, Do you want to get into that a little bit, what you got from that post-fight press conference? Well, I think although Eddie didn't want to really Dan Rayfield, because it was actually Dan Rayfield from ESPN that asked the question, and uh, DJ and Eddie kind of blew him off. I think when he was asked it a second time by a different reporter, that he kind of tipped his hand that they're leaning towards the Canelo fight. And obviously, if they're leaning towards the Canelo fight, it's going to have to be with the zone. Whether or not that'll be a one-off fight or if he'll sign an actual deal, with the zone remains to be seen. One thing that is certain is that Danny Jacobs is going to make the best uh, financial deal because he can fight whoever the hell he wants. You know, he he has his right. strap. He has the options of fighting Canelo. Uh, the Canelo fight was talked about for September um, with uh, with Golden Boy. You know, they offered him. split, which he was actually going to take. Obviously, the price is going up. uh, But I think the zone is going to be the play for Danny Jacobs for obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, And and that's, you know, kind of like what I'm, you know, looking for there with Daniel Jacobs because, you know, while he's been under matchroom boxing, he's had the, you know, I would say the lucrative type of deals, lucrative type of contracts are there for his uh, fights that he's had uh, while being signed by uh, Matchroom Boxing. So I I think that, you know, with that, he's going to probably direct himself uh, in that, um, you know, that way to where he gets that fight against Canelo or, you know, fight against Jamal Charlo or, you know, fight against maybe a Billy Joe Saunders or, you know, a unification uh, with, you know, Demetrius Andrade. Um, for me, 
you know, while it seems like he wants that Canelo fight first, I'm not necessarily certain that he's going to get it uh, come May. Um, There may be something to where they may end up trying to have Canelo have that third fight with Gennady Golovkin in May. And it would kind of like build some things or build a possibility where you might want to see, you know, a, I mean, at least I would want to see it. By September of next year, you would have, you know, Canelo against Golovkin once again. And if Canelo gets through that, he keeps those titles. And in the meantime, Daniel Jacobs faces Demetrius Andrade for the IBF and WBO titles so that by September, you would have an undisputed middleweight championship fight, you know, um, you know, maybe between Canelo Alvarez and Daniel Jacobs or Canelo Alvarez and Demetrius Andrade. Um, because, you know, we really have those chances to where we get an undisputed champion. I mean, like we said, we only had, you know, Terrence Crawford there in the super lightweight division. And uh, this year uh, we have Alexander Usyk in the cruiserweight division. So, you know, why not have, you know, by 2019 the um, shot that we could have an undisputed middleweight championship, um, you know, therefore, you know, the fans to see. Well, I think if, if it goes that route where we get the undisputed championship, I think we got the brackets wrong a little bit. I think um, it's going to be Andre and Jacobs angling to be the final step of the undisputed road. Because, like, Danny Jacobs was saying, these guys are, like, basically brothers. He said he even specifically said it's not like Peter Quillen or it's not like Ravi Chanko where these guys are just associates. He was talking about how he's known Andre since, age 15, how they came up together. He said Andre actually sparred with him to help him get prepared for the Derevyachenko fight. So that's why you saw Danny Jacobs constantly switching the stances. He said he got that from Andre and that he did pretty good when it came to sparring with Andre and learning the Southport stuff. So I think if he had his brothers, he would set up the undisputed with his brother, Andre, so they can both get the biggest bag possible for that fight. Yeah. Uh, you know, I did see that, you know, in in his press conference, he kind of like said that, you know, he really had a lot of, you know, respect for Demetrius Andre and that he kind of wanted to hold off a bit in a fight between him and Andrade. Um, yeah. So, you know, kind of like if he, if he wanted that fight, then it would have to be like maybe his, um, you know, overall last uh, particular fight uh, there uh, between him and Andrade for the uh, undisputed uh, middleweight championship. So um, kind of like uh, that's what we uh, get out of that uh, there uh, from from that particular matchup. Um, I'm going to see, uh, you know, what else is going on uh, right here. Um, 
actually I may do another uh, version of the simulcast uh, right here. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but uh, for those that are you know listening in uh, through uh, the current uh, live podcast, and you can call in, uh, give your take at three four seven two three seven five five three nine. That is three four seven two three seven five five three nine. Press one key to get on cue, and uh, you'll be able to talk live on the show. Um, you know, going into the uh, undercard of this particular matchup, um, well, I, I would say that uh, your, your boy uh, here, your guest here, Brother Matt, kind of like uh, struggled <laughs> getting uh, through that uh, that uh, HBO portion of the undercard. <laughs> um, as, you know, we had a um, – you know, we had in in the undercard uh, Alberto Machado uh, defending his WBA Super Featherweight Championship uh, against Uendel Evans, and um, you know Machado was out there. Of course, you know, young young guy up there from Puerto Rico, kind of like uh, you know, giving some people a little bit of a. Um, Flashback to another famous uh, Puerto Rican boxer that was, you know, around that weight uh, weight division or something like that, uh, coming up, moving up in weight, uh, and he was uh, there, you know, in attendance uh, for this particular fight between Alberto Machado and Uendel uh, Evans and. I mean, to me, it, it was just something to where you, you just saw, like, an absolute mismatch on paper, and it ended up being exactly that, an absolute mismatch. Dale Evans should not have been in the same ring with this guy, and all we got was a first-round knockout in that one. So <laughs> uh, just uh, go through real quick um, that that fight. Well, I probably talked longer than the fight lasted. Um, yeah. <laughs> the referee, the referee nearly got Evans killed out there. You know, we were screaming from uh, from the press box, like, stop the fight. Like, what is he doing? Like, the guy was out basically on his feet, and the re- <laughs> I don't know why the referee allowed him to continue after the second knockdown because he was already gone. He could have got that boy killed, man. But Machado, 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 honestly, I'm very disappointed in him. Not in his performance, but in the post-fight interview with Max Kellerman, who do you want to fight? He ain't talking about Tank Davis. Like, what's up? You know, Machado is not going to be, he's not going to be on HBO no more. You know, so... You could make that fight with Tank Davis if you wanted to. You claim that you're the real champion at 130 pounds. You claim the WBA robbed you of the super title because they they awarded Tank the super title instead of you, all this other stuff. I expected him to say, yo, Tank Davis, what's up? Let's do this. But mm, he didn't want to do that. He didn't seem like he wanted that smoke, which kind of makes me wonder just how legitimate in his head he thinks he is. 
you know, because mm-hmm. any any true champion, anyone who thinks that they're the Dundada of their division, you are yep. looking to fight not just yeah. whoever people think is the best, but you're looking to fight the guy who you claim stole your title. <laughs> so what's going on, Machado? Do you want that smoke yeah. or not? Yeah, it's like he 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 don't he don't want to get all into it uh, mm-hmm. with St. Davis, man, and 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 that's like kind of a red flag of sorts to say the least. Um, because I mean, you have you have all of these other guys that are out there, uh, particularly uh, in that super featherweight division, um, and they kind of like been talking some stuff to. Tank Davis and Tank Davis been saying that he wants this guy, and then of course you had uh, recently uh, Tevin Farmer uh, with that IBF version of the strap saying that hey he wants to fight Tank Davis, but with this guy here Machado, it's like uh, I'm not I don't know man I'm gonna listen to my promoter you know the you know uh-huh. the old you. Know, I'm going to take a little rest and all of that. Man, he, he said he didn't want none of that. Man. He, he didn't want none of that. Um, before we uh, continue, man, I got, my, I got another person up in here, Eric Code 205. What's going on with you? Hey, what's going on, James? Uh, Matthew, this is Mike Grady. How y'all doing? Hey, what up, Mike Grady? What's going on, Mike? Not much. Just finished watching the Jacobs fight uh, as we speak. That's why I jumped on. I didn't get an opportunity to watch it uh, yesterday. True, true. Uh, what, what, what's your thoughts on uh, on that particular fight? Like, um, real fast, as you know, we we were able to like go through that. The Machado or the uh, Jacobs fight? First, the Jacobs fight. Um. So, I think it was a competitive win. I did not score the fight, um, but I think Jacob, you could tell they were comfortable with each other. Uh, Jacob is definitely a good fighter. He, um, that first punch he landed in, in the first round, it, it was, uh, it was something weird about it. I don't know what, what like looked peculiar about it, but I mean, I guess it was a good shot. And it was a good knockdown, but I think it was a competitive, close win. The fight looked close to me. I don't know what the scorecards were, but um, I know Jacobs won. Uh, didn't one of the judges give one of the scorecards to Devin Chinko, whatever his name? Yeah, uh, Julie Letterman gave um, Derevian Chinko uh, 114-113, I think there. So, okay. so it was 75 with the knockdown. Gotcha, gotcha. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think it was a a close, a, a very competitive close win. Uh, Jacobs, he he looks good. I mean, the dude can can box. He, um, you know, he definitely can punch, and he was throwing pretty good body shot. And I guess you can speak to Devin Chinko's will because, as Roy Jones was saying, he was looking tired and you know, kind of breathing through his mouth and stuff, and he still like mm-hmm. relented on and. Even in them later matches, it just kind of seemed to me that, you know, in terms of, like, wheel, he was pressing through. So I think that was a good um, 
a good thing, and, and it would be interesting to see him fight some of the uh, other guys in the division because, you know, you could tell he he's definitely like a, a good contender or a good um, – yeah, contender. He's a good contender. So I would be interested to see Devonchenko against one of these guys. Yeah, Derevianchenko uh, would be a um, very uh, difficult uh, out for many of these other um, contenders there in the middleweight division. Um, you know, I would I would say that you know, kind of he he would be probably one of the top guys that doesn't really have a uh, world title there. You 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 know. Also have, you know, like what's going through the list, uh, you know, David Lemieux that's out there. Um, of course, you know, Billy Joe Saunders, who uh, gave up his uh, version of the title. Um, you know, you have uh, Jamal Charlo, uh, who's, you know, there in the middleweight division as the current uh, WBO, uh, WBC mandatory, excuse me. Uh, so probably have about, you know, six or seven guys that you could put in the mix uh, for uh, contending as a top middleweight uh, out there, and Daniel Jacobs, you know, with his you know overall skill set, uh, with what he's been able to do against um, you know specific opponents, that he will be a very very live um, person as far as like proven to be the uh, best middleweight out there. Yeah, but it was a uh, a good it was a you know. The fight wasn't boring per se. Like I could watch it, and uh, I don't think I noticed anything outright uh, that stood out to me other than you know Danny Jacobs was good and he had a, a good good opponent, and you know it'd just be interesting to see Derenchenko against other guys to see how how he would stack up. But from this fight, like you said, it seems like he would be a tough out. Yeah, it would be a very tough out. Uh, there with, with uh, him, him in the mix with any of those guys. Um, uh, what, what about um, Machado and uh, what, what he was able to do in that brief time that he was in the ring with Wendell Evans? I actually didn't watch the fight, but seeing that it was first round knockout, I guess I could have watched it. But um, do you want me to come back and tell you the results? <laughs> uh, I mean, but I didn't, you didn't really get really much with that. You didn't really miss much with that. Um, you know, UND 11 was not really supposed to be in the same ring uh, with uh, Alberto Machado. And so it was like just have him be basically uh, food for, um, you know, Alberto Machado. And, you know, after that, you, you kind of would have thought that you would – See Machado want to put his name in a hat against, uh, you know, these other guys that have a belt. Uh, they're in the super featherweight division, but you really didn't hear much of that out of his mouth after the fight, which is very interesting given that you have Tevin Farmer out there uh, that, you know, recently was well, able to get a win to defend the IBF version of that super featherweight championship. And, of course, Devontae Tank Davis, who is the WBA super champion, uh, there over um, Alberto Machado, and yeah, you really see much of anything at all uh, coming out of Machado's mouth when it came to uh, Devontae uh, Davis's name uh, out there. And of course, you know you have the WBC champion there, Miguel Borchelt, uh that's you know soon to have his defense of that WBC title 
against Miguel Roman. So, I mean, they're in the super super featherweight division. There's, you know, a lot of contenders out there, a lot of guys that could, you know, potentially uh, say that you want they want to put their name in the hat as far as, like, being the best in a particular division. Uh, but you don't really see, you're not really seeing that much action except from the mouth of Tevin Farmer that says, hey, I want to fight everybody. I don't care. Yeah. yeah. Well, the thing well, about Tevin Farmer, though. Go ahead. I'm sorry, what are you saying, Mike? So, Tevin Farmer is under Eddie Hearn, right? He has a co-promotional uh, well, deal. Now he has, yeah, he has fights under the zone, but he's still under the promotion of um, uh, your Bella. boy there. Yeah, Luda Bella. So, it, it's basically the decision through Luda Bella than uh, through uh, Eddie Hearn. It's just that the Bella will be able to set up the fight first. And then after that, you'll see if it's going to be, you know, on the zone or not. Yeah. So outside of Anthony Joshua and maybe um, – and maybe um, what's the second guy under his banner, his, his second favorite guy under the banner? Um, lost to Anthony Joshua. Um, Dylan White. Dylan White. Outside of Anthony Joshua and Dylan White, you can see that uh, Eddie Hearn is very apt on the American fighters to fight people. At least that's what it appears to me. Like he wants them to fight people and and mix it up sort of. Um, but it don't look to be the same sentiments with his, you know, his deeply ingrained fighters that, that have been in him since day one. <laughs> Did you say something to that, man? Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Shots fired, baby. That's, so funny. that's a real comment. It is. That oh, is you, you mean that? I'm that's just a, laughing because I can't wait for JR's rebuttal. That is a real comment. Oh, what's your rebuttal? You, what's your rebuttal? Given, given the fact that both of those guys that are over in the UK have amongst the best resumes in the heavyweight division. That really, that point really can't be brought up about those two guys. It really can't. So, I mean, I see what you're trying to say there with those two, but the fact of the matter is that it looks like you're trying to say that the guy Anthony Joshua and the guy Dylan White aren't really stepping up to challenges or so-called challenges in the heavyweight division when – their resume say otherwise. But it is what it is on that one. Um, Bob Squad, baby. Live on uh, Blog Talk Radio, or if you're seeing this live here on uh, Facebook through the Boxing Source, and if you want to get in on the Boxing Talk, you could call in at 347-237-5539. That's 347-237-5539. Press one key to get on cue, and you'll be able to talk live on the show. Um, next uh, thing we got, uh, next topic is, you know, what went down over in New Orleans as you had the uh, quarterfinals of the World Boxing Super Series continue, particularly in the super lightweight division. As the first fight, you had uh, Ivan the Beast Baranchik versus Anthony. Can you dig it? Yig it. Uh, I, 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 I found that really funny. It was just, uh, so, um, nicknamed uh, uh, Poor Yigit. 
Uh, here you had uh, two guys, you know, that were there uh, undefeated, uh, Baranchik uh, coming from Russia, uh, then uh, Anthony Yigit uh, there from Sweden. Uh, was a you know kind of like an action, pretty much a little active fight there between uh, those two guys. Um, Baranchik just looked like he was a um, guy that just wanted to come at you and continue to come at you and just you know that really stopped. Um, you know, going after Anthony Yigit. And, you know, while Yigit had a couple of good moments out there um, in the ring against Baranchik, it just didn't seem like he was able to uh, really uh, phase Baranchik, whether it was through punches or accidental headbutts or whatever it is. Uh, so, you know, while Yigit was very competitive, um, he he had like a, uh, you know, pretty much a swollen uh, I that just built up and built up and built up uh, big time, you know, over the course of the fight. And it just got, you know, too bad uh, for him to continue in his fight there with Ivan Baranchik. And uh, the referee ended up uh, calling the bout uh, there, giving the win for Ivan Baranchik for him to, you know, go into the semifinals of the tournament and win the vacant IBF uh, super lightweight championship in the process. So he stays undefeated there and uh, goes in the uh, World Boxing Super Series uh, semifinals uh, there in the super lightweight division uh, where he's going to await the winner of Josh Taylor and Ryan Martin, which is uh, scheduled for uh, next Saturday there. So um, start with, you know, I'm going to go with Matt here. Uh, what, what's your thoughts about this uh, fight here that you got had? Well, I just watched it this morning because, you know, I was at the Jacobs Derevyachenko fight, so I wasn't able to see it live. Um, Honestly, while the fight was exciting, I wasn't too impressed with either guy. I wasn't familiar with either guy, to be honest, before um, the fight, and I just picked Yidget because he was undefeated. So, so much for that. And um, I picked him because uh, I didn't know Baranchik was with DeBella. If I didn't know he was with DeBella, I would have known he was going to win because DeBella picks uh, really good fighters. Um, but I think they're just food for Josh Taylor. Josh Taylor boxes too well for Baranchik. Baranchik, to me, he's what Floyd Mayweather would call straight up and down with no special effects. So I think when he gets in there with a really good boxer, He's gonna he's gonna really struggle. He's excited to see, but he doesn't have the skills to pay the bills. So he he probably uh, you know looks like um, you know I would say maybe a guy that you know kind of like was a um, straightforward fighter uh, around that particular division and in the welterweight division in Ruslan Provodnikov. So you probably get a little bit of a Provodnikov uh, there with uh, Ivan Baranchek uh, there a little bit. That's actually a really different comparison. Um, but uh, how do you see Baranchek doing against the likes of a Josh Taylor uh, if they should meet in the semifinal? I mean, Josh Taylor, uh, he he should basically have a blueprint there to be Ivan Baranchik. Just stay out of the pocket if he, you know, he needs to. 
Um, all you got to do is, you know, be able to box him and, you know, be able to be very active with the jab and, you know, kind of like see what you're able to do. Um, looking for Baranchik's punches and, you know, kind of like throw in a counter or two uh, to keep Baranchik honest. Uh, so he should be able to, you know, get a, you know, fairly easy uh, victory, I would say. I would kind of really uh, favor Josh Taylor to uh, get the win over Ivan Baranchik uh, there in the semifinals, um, you know, if he you know, was able to get past uh, Ryan Martin over in Glasgow, Scotland, uh, right there. So, you know, that that's what I got on him. What about you, Mike? I didn't. I didn't watch the fight. But with a comparison to Provodnikov, I would be interested to see him. I mean, yeah, he does have a uh, you know very straightforward style, kind of similar to Ruslan Provodnikov, but you know I think he may you know put his uh, punches together uh, a little bit better uh, there in comparison to the um, you know Provodnikov. Um, and you know, I kind of like to see that you know he he's really hungry, um, you know co- you know going after his opponent, pursuing his opponent, um, but you kind of like see the you know overall flaw as far as like you know not really setting up his shots, uh, not really giving uh, his opponents uh, different looks there. Um, so you know that's what I kind of like get there from you know Ivan uh, Baranchik. Um, in his potential fight in the World Boxing Super Series semifinals, um, you know, possibly against uh, Josh Taylor there. Um, on the other side, uh, you did have the hometown guy, uh, Regis Progress, going up against Terry Flanagan uh, in the main event, uh, therefore that card over in New Orleans. And, I mean, for me, it, I was kind of like looking into this particular matchup because Regis Progress is, you know, my pick to kind of like come out of this World Boxing Super Series and uh, be the winner of that super lightweight uh, bracket. Uh, but, you know, going up against Terry Flanagan, it was, you know, kind of like a fight to where he kind of like set his own pace and he it looked like he knew what he could do there against Terry Flanagan, but didn't necessarily, you know, go all out. Um, you know, with Terry Flanagan, uh, he he knew that he could get hit by Flanagan. He usually has, you know, a lot of times where he's, you know, open to be uh, taking shots uh, there from his opponent. Uh, but you know, on the flip side, they knew that he would be able to take the shots from Terry Flanagan and then continue to uh, throw at Terry Flanagan himself. Um, he, you know, was able to score a knockdown uh, in this fight, uh, but it didn't look like he wanted to follow through and, you know, finish up, you know, or finish um, Terry Flanagan. And he ended up, uh, you know, getting that uh, decision win uh, there at home, uh, you know, getting a unanimous uh, decision and uh, having the WBC Diamond Super Lightweight title um, in the process or, you know, retaining that uh, Diamond uh, title in the process and moving to the semifinals where he'll fight uh, Kuro Relic, who scored the win over Edward Tryanowski, 
uh, in his quarterfinal uh, there. So uh, for me, that progress relic fight is now looking a little bit closer than I originally thought it would be uh, there between the two. So kind of like looking forward to that fight to see how progress kind of like performs against a guy in relic who has, you know, already been in, you know, big, big fights before uh, high profile fights, you know, had his, you know, two fights against Rancis Bartholomew and, you know, was able to come out there. So, I'm kind of like looking forward to that particular fight. That you know, that might end up being the best fight in the tournament overall. Really? Ah. Yeah. Yeah. I've never been too impressed with it. Like he's all right, but uh, I, I think Progress. If Progress can't beat this guy, then he's never gonna be what we all think. Uh, he's going to be. To me, if if I'm pro-grade, I'm looking for a knockout. This guy, Relic, he, he's okay. He's been beaten before. He's not unbeatable. You know, right. he he lost to Ricky Burns, for God's sake. Like, this guy is not a world beater, you know. Losing to Ricky Burns, you know, it's not something you want on your resume. So, I think uh, I think Progress should cut through him, but he's boxing. You never know, so we'll see what what, what happens. But Progress to me is the huge favorite. I don't think it's as close as as you think it might be now. Yeah. Well, I mean, he you know he was able to go against a guy in Troynovsky that you know had like a semi impressive record on paper, but really didn't you know, have a uh, good little resume on the back of that, um, you know, and pretty much got chin-checked by Julius Ndongo, um, <laughs> you know, to <laughs> lose the uh, super lightweight titles that he did have. So that kind of like, you know, derailed his whole little undefeated streak that he did have up to that particular point. Um, but, you know, when he when Troy Nowski did fight Relic, I mean, you, you had um, you know those guys kind of like kind of like seemed like a semi-tactical fight between the two, but Curl Relic just ended up doing a little bit more. And while it didn't seem like he wasn't very impressive in that particular matchup, I, I feel like he kind of like worked his way um, to the unanimous decision win over Rancis Bartholomew. Now. With that particular fight, that almost was kind of Bartholomew's fault as well because he really didn't show up to fight at all in that rematch that they had against each other. Um, but, I mean, for me, I think he he's able to kind of, like, be up for the challenge going up against Regis Progress, who is kind of considered by many as the top-rated guy there in the super lightweight division right now. So that's why I kind of like feel like the matchup between Progress and Relic may be a um, sleeper fight of sorts and that you kind of like may, may be able to get more out of this particular fight than any other fight uh, in the tournament uh, right there. Yeah, so that's, you know, that's like my overall thoughts about that. So um, yeah, Josh Taylor fights next week, right? 
He he's on uh, this coming Saturday. Josh Taylor. Because uh, to me, this this tournament is just set up for Taylor versus Borgrave. I I'd be very surprised if anyone else even makes it to the final. You know, but you know, like you said, mm-hmm. boxing didn't take happen. Relic did do a good job navigating through Troy Anofsky's power and navigating through the fight. But I think it'll be a little bit more harder to do that with progress because progress is a dynamic athlete. And, you know, Relic, you know, like I said, he's no world beater. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Um, pretty much going to uh, continue here on the live podcast, but we'll be uh, ending the uh, live on uh, Facebook, so if you want to continue to listen on to the show live, you call in 347-237-5539. And if you want to have a take on boxing, you can press the one key to get on the queue. We'll be live on the show right there. So, oh, okay. I guess we, we, we have a little a bit of input right there, too. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, so, you know, going into, um, the next thing, I, I kind of like wanted to continue on as far as like what's upcoming. Um, you know, we did have a, you know, little announcement of sorts over in the Madison Square Garden, uh, there, uh, before, you know, uh, you were able to get in there, Matt, uh, to Madison Square Garden, they, Announce a fight card uh, that will be um, on. November, I think it was like November seventeenth. Uh, that will be on the zone. But uh, you know, with this particular card, it was something to where you kind of like had it. They already were talking about Gabe Rosado versus Luis Arias. Uh, that was a fight that was already you know signed, but. They were able to fit in Clarissa Shields to defend her unified middleweight championships against uh, Hannah Rankin, Um, you know, of course, because, you know, Shields was, you know, originally uh, scheduled to, uh, you know, have a big fight uh, this year, but that ended up being uh, rescheduled because of, you know, the uh, status of, you know, um, you know what was going to happen uh, there Christina Hammer. with Christina Hammer. Uh, so Christina Hammer is going to, you know, be in uh, recovery uh, there until uh, she gets in uh, full strength um, to face Clarissa Shields. But in the meantime, uh, Clarissa Shields uh, will be, you know, on this fight card here going up against Hannah Rankin uh, in a 10-round fight. Uh, you're Who, also, who's going to be the main event, JR? The main event? Yeah, who's, who's the main event for this card, JR? Because you're beating event. around the bush, man. You're beating around the bush. <laughs> let's talk Let's talk, Let's talk. talk about this. <laughs> okay. The main event of this fight card that's on November 17th in Mulvane, Kansas, around the Kansas City area, is heavyweight contender Jarrell Big Baby Miller against 
Bogdan Dinu. Um, Is there anything special about this fight? Um, to me, when I see this uh, thing here uh, for Jarrell Miller going up against Bogdan Dinu, I quote the word, yes, the word of Stone Cold Steve Austin. What? <laughs> oh, man. Shout out to the WBA once again, proving me right. Because what JR has not said is that this fight is going to be for the soon to be vacant WBA heavyweight title. Oh, man. Now, for those that aren't in the, I uh, know, the World Boxing Association has been going through a little bit of trouble with their <laughs> regular. <laughs> so, they were scheduled to have the WBA regular champion, Emmanuel Char, going up against. Kendo for that WBA championship. It was going to be Fresicando Jr. That was, huh? Kendo Jr. Or is that that can't be Fresicando <laughs> no, from the nineties, no, right? The, the, you know the actual forty-three or forty-four or whatever <laughs> year, whatever age Fresicando is going, you know, being in the fight that was going to be his first fight in over four years, and he oh was going God. to be fighting for the WBA regular championship. However, Manuel Char got tested for an illegal substance, so that fight ended up being canceled. Okay. Now, we had been going through a little bit of talk about, you know, Manuel Char, you know, eventually getting stripped in that, Big Baby Miller was saying that, oh, I'm going to be put in position to fight for the WBA regular championship and this and that. And so, you know, people were saying, oh, so are you going to be facing Fresa Kendo for the championship since Kendo was in line to, you know, fight for the championship? Nope. Is he, you know, slated to fight Trevor Bryan, who's actually the number one rated contender in the rankings? That the WBA has up. No, he's going to fight Bogdan Dinu for who is coming from Romania, who's actually rated above Joe Joyce and Guillermo Jones. Yeah, wait, hold up. You mean wait, wait? I'm reading this. The cruiserweight Guillermo Jones. (laughs) I'm like, wait a minute. No, that can't be. It can't be that Guillermo Jones. (laughs) Hey, like, like he said, hey. Yo, this got to yo, this got to be Guillermo Jones Jr. Man, just like yes, that's president. That this got to be Guillermo Jones Jr. Man, it, man, nah, man. <laughs> nah. no, no, Guillermo Jones crazy. is not. Guillermo Jones is not in the heavyweight division. You can't tell me that this guy is not in it. Nah, 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 nah. But, but be honest, Jr. Have you heard of the new guy? Because I've never heard of him. I've never heard of him before. Yeah, but dang, Guillermo Jones is in the heavyweight division. 
Unbelievable. Yeah, but uh, this uh, Bogdan Dinu. So, this guy who, how do you, okay. So, he's ranked ninth in the WBA. He's had a bunch of fights over in Romania and a good number of fights over in the Bell Center in Montreal. Uh, But his overall resume is like, huh? Ooh. So, I now I don't I don't I don't see how the WBA would be able to approve this to be for the regular heavyweight championship, and if it is, then that means that I might have to break down. Welcome to the dark side. Welcome to the dark side. I can't do it. I'll have to break down and admit. <laughs> that Welcome a to the dark oh, certain person influenced the decision of the WBA in this case. Heard we heard, baby. I, I really can't believe this. I really can't believe this. But you know, my guy ESPN Dan Rayfield, he's usually pretty accurate. He doesn't really put stuff out there until he knows. He says that this fight is going to be for the vacant title. That's crazy to me. Oh man, oh man, oh man! I I just can't, uh, you know, bring myself to believe that <laughs> they actually sanction this particular fight as the fight for the WBA regular championship. I mean, for me, the only way, the only way that they would kind of justify this, and we know that they won't do it, is that the winner would have to face Trevor Bryant in their next fight. Uh And we know that that happened. Uh, So... Uh, and I mean to to kind of like look at this whole thing. I'm like, why would why would they put the card together like this to have Jarrell Miller be the main event for something like this? Um, and also for you know Demetrius Alita to kind of like be a part of this as well because. He's the original promoter for Jarrell uh, Miller, so he kind of like has a hand in this as well. Were you talking about it being inside Kansas? No, I mean, like dealing with Jarrell uh, Miller overall is that, you know, that's kind of like been his, um, you know, that he's a guy that's kind of like managing, managing his career or something like that, but, you know, but with Eddie Hearn kind of like saying that, hey, you know, Jarrell, I can get you in this position. I can get you in that position. If you fight here, if you fight there, if you fight this particular guy, if you want to take the fight with this guy. And, you know, up to this point, you know, Jarrell Miller has, you know, accepted those uh, fights um, there. So, you know, with me, it's like, okay, you, you have these this string of fights where you were fighting Gerald Washington, Marius Watt, and Johan Duopai, and, you know, everything was looking a little bit good, like your overall stock in the heavyweight division was going up. And then after that, 
you you know you fight Thomas Adamek. Well, you know he was you know kind of like still floating around there in the top fifteen of the heavyweight division. He was of course long in the two, so that ended up being an easy fight there. And here against Bogdan Dinu, who is a relative unknown from Romania, that's the expectation in this particular fight that has been put together. That Miller is just going to you know come in there three hundred six pounds to three hundred eight pounds or whatever it is and walk through this guy. Um, in order to you know, potentially get the WBA regular heavyweight title. Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. I don't understand. Listen, to me, Jarrell Miller, they're trying to turn him into, like, their version of Beyonce Wilder. He's literally fighting people that Wilder already beat, and now he's going to try to earn his title, I guess. But uh, oh god, what what is going on? What what is going on with WBAJR? You you gotta help me understand what Gilberto Mendoza is doing, because I could see if Miller was gonna fight Trevor Bryan. Okay, you could say that's for the vacant title since Bryan is already the interim champion. But you have an interim champion. Why not just elevate him to the regular title holder if uh you're going to strip Manuel Char. Why would you still have a vacant title when you have an interim champion? I thought the purpose of the interim champion was to take the place of the regular champion when the the belt is either uh, held up or or something like that. The belt is not going to be held up anymore. They should elevate Brian. If Big Baby Miller wants his title, he got to go through Trevor Bryan. Or, hey, listen, order Okendo versus Miller. Order the damn fight. Well, I mean, it looked like they, well, they didn't necessarily order that fight, but it seemed like that fight was a possibility between Okendo and Miller. But the reports were out there that said that Fresa Kendo passed on $1 million to fight Jarrell Miller, and that's why we are ending up with Miller against Bogdan Dinu. In Kansas. Mm. Well, but, according uh, to Fresno Kendo, he wasn't sure the proof of funds. So I don't know what Eddie Hearn struggled. Does Eddie Hearn have a million dollars to give him? I don't know. I need to um, see a proof well, of funds. Well, at least at least here the difference would be that, you know, Eddie Hearn would be able to, you know, come up with a million dollars and wouldn't have to ask somebody else for it. That's a completely <laughs> different promotion and in a di- completely different network. But that story is either here nor there. Um, <laughs> but I, I found it fairly interesting that you did say the thing there about this situation about vacating a WBA title and the status of an, having an interim champion because – this wouldn't necessarily be the first time that that's happened with the WBA because mm-hmm. um, in 2016, mm-hmm. they had the WBA regular mm-hmm. champion um, that ended up fighting somebody. Then he ended up losing that title. And the guy that he, you know, with Ruslan Chagiev going up against Lucas Brown, Lucas Brown ended up beating Chagiev, but. Lucas Brown ended up getting that WBA regular title strip. Now, at that time that he got had it gotten stripped, there was an interim champion, huh, and that, that? 
hmm, I wonder that. You know, that interim champion, his name was Luis Ortiz. Mm-hmm. Mm. But the problem was they had the Luis problem. Ortiz lined up. <laughs> they the had Luis Here Ortiz lined up in a in in a fight where he was supposed to fight Alexander Usinov, and Usinov didn't. You know that fight fell through a couple of times, and because of that, you know Mendoza said, "Oh, you don't want to fight Usinov? Okay, fine. Guess what? We're gonna strip you of that interim title." So that's that's <laughs> so that's the whole story there with the WBA and all of that uh, there. So I, I I don't know what to make out of all of that uh, there, but also uh, you know the, there's some more news that you know came about here. Uh, you know while we're going into the tail end of the live session um, on a podcast. So we have scheduled on Fox the first PBC production while under the new deal with Fox. And so we have on Saturday, December 22nd, at the Barclays Center, we're going to have a doubleheader starring everybody's favorite group, the Migos of boxing. No, I'm just sorry. To you. <laughs> uh, what a everybody's jerk. Everybody's <laughs> favorite set of brothers in boxing, the Charlo brothers. So, the Charlo brothers, you have Jamal Charlo there that's going up against Willie Monroe Jr. So, that is going to be... Uh, the fight there that we're going to have as I think the main event through you know the uh, coin flip uh, that happened on Wednesday in that press conference uh, that they had. So you have Jamal Charlo against Willie Monroe Jr. Uh, there, and also you're going to have Jamel Charlo defending his WBC Super Welterweight title against former uh, title contender there in. Uh, Tony Harrison. Uh, so those are the that's the co-feature and the main event. But we also have one more fight of note that's going to be part of this card that may um, spark the interest of one caller on here, and that is in the heavyweight division as. Everybody's favorite mandatory contender, Dominic Brazil, will Trouble. face the tough, the rugged Carlos Negron. Hey, um, what you call me? <laughs> 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 I'm trying to get his name, man. It's Carlos Negron from San Juan, Puerto Rico, twenty and one. Um, yeah, I have no idea where he is in the rankings of the uh, World Boxing Council. Oh, he's not. Oh, he's not. So, so, so I I I want to know a little bit more information about. 
all of this because it seemed like there was some particular talk about this guy in Dominic Brazil potentially facing another contender in the heavyweight division, but he didn't want to go to a certain country to fight no, that person and 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 what he wanted he wanted to have the fight here in the US but since they didn't want that fight in the US I guess that potential fight between Dominic Brazil and Dylan White didn't come to fruition. So instead, Dominic Brazil is part of a card in the Barclays Center the weekend before Christmas here in the U.S. against Carlos Negron. And that's the story that I got on that. Thoughts about the card, folks? Where's Mike Grady, man? Is he still around? Yeah, I'm still here. <laughs> so this is, this is crazy. I, I can't believe the way you spin this, JR. So now all of a sudden, white versus Brazil ain't happening because Brazil didn't want it? Like, what's going on here? What is going on Brazil here? Brazil had a preference. I didn't say yeah, he didn't want it. He said that, I he said said that white he had a preference. Island. Listen, man. First of all, this card is crap. Why, why, why is this card on before Christmas? This probably got to be for TV. Well, it's on that, Fox, um, but... No, but I mean, but, um, um, they can't expect to be selling tickets. Because from what I understand, holiday weekends are actually pretty good for TV ratings. So I think this is just strictly for TV ratings because there's no way they're expected to sell sell even half of the Barclays Center the weekend uh, before Christmas. No way in hell. Mm. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't see it. I don't see it. Um, we did talk line. about this. You know, we, we did talk about this when, when it was, you know, kind of like first announced. And yeah. we said, you know, we were in agreement when we said that, yo, why didn't they have this fight card over in the Houston area? Exactly. If they're going to feature the Charlo brothers, why not have it in the Houston area? You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 for me, uh it ain't like anything is going to necessarily, um, you know, block that fight from happening over in Houston. It's not like, you know, you're going to have, uh, what is it, like the Houston Cougars in college football <laughs> playing or, you know, the Rice the Rice Owls playing on a Saturday night. No. Exactly. You know, I mean, and, and having like the Houston Texans, if they had a home game, that wasn't going to really affect the fight. You know what I mean? Exactly. So why not have it in Houston? They, they, they. Uh, I don't know what's going on with the Charlos. I mean, Jamal, I can understand because it came out today that Golovkin rejected uh, their fight that was mandated by the WBC. So I can understand if he is struggling to find top contenders that will fight him. But 
Jamal. Come on, bruh. Like, I like the Tony Harrison fight, but you got that, that, that big boy waiting for you. You got that big boy that's recovering from a shoulder injury waiting for you. You know, you have other options, I think. But New York, I'm going to try to see if I can make it out there. I, I, I got to – because I don't understand what's going on. I don't know why New York, why the Barclays Center, why not somewhere in Houston, why not in the Rockets Arena or something like that. Or if you don't think that they could sell that out, you know, have it in the smaller venue. But New York, at the Barclays Center, how, how many tickets are they going to sell? I, I, maybe a couple thousand. It's going to be it's going to be empty in there. They should probably just mm. have the the fight um, on the bus that kind of threw the dolly through. Just have the fight there. <laughs> you know, put the fan. Put the fans in the seats there. Have them fight in the parking lot or something because no one's going to watch it. And Dom, uh, Dominic Brazil, uh, at least he's active again. Nobody really cares about him except for his brother Harold. That's about it. <laughs> his first fight in, what, you know, this year? Um, yeah, since November of last year. Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah it's crazy. Um, I was thinking that if we had, um, I thought I had it to where you had, um, who was it? Uh, both brothers actually be featured in a uh, in a card over in Houston. Um, yeah. But you know, I'm not necessarily seeing that. The last fight that uh, Jamel Charlo had was over in the Energy Arena back in 2015. So. Um, you know, they did have that and actually Tony Harrison was part of that card. <laughs> um, so that's kind of you know, that's kinda of weird. So yeah, you yeah. could have had it back there in the energy arena or something like that. I don't see why they couldn't do that, man. Well I hope Al Heyman's not losing his fastball. I'm just gonna say that. Maybe he wants to build <laughs> the Charlos into the East Coast attraction because they already have the South on lot. Maybe he wants to build them and take East Coast attraction. And isn't this mm. under their quotation marks, uh, promotional banner, quotation marks? Yeah, I mean, it's still under that, you know, same, you know, whole promotional banner type of thing. But, you know, they could have, I mean, unless if uh, they're going to have uh, Lou DeBella kind of like try to fill out that card, then I don't know what else, you know, they, you know, plan to do. Uh, with 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 this uh, thing here, you know, for uh, the Charlo brothers. But I mean, like I was saying, I mean, they could have, yeah, they could have definitely had uh, this thing, you know, over in Houston, and probably would have got a much better turnout. Yeah, number one, you get a much better turnout. Number two, you probably wouldn't have to pay that much for, you know, booking the booking the uh, the Energy Arena or something else over in Houston. And you still get the TV uh, revenue and the TV viewership uh, that you're looking for. So, if from a business uh, standpoint, I don't understand it. You know, they uh, you're going to follow up with that, uh, Mike. What's that going to do? What? Uh, you had like anything else to say on that uh, fight card that was announced? Um, and then I think both Charlo be winning. Nothing. Um, I don't think Willie Monroe has, from what I've seen, 
that next level, that gear. Like once he's his back is against, is against the ropes, you can see him thinking and kind of talking himself out of, you know, pushing forward to to go through the fire and and risk getting burnt to uh, mm-hmm. you know do what is necessary. And you can see that in all of his step up fights where he mm-hmm. thinks and then sees the fire and is like, uh, yeah, it's hot. <laughs> it doesn't really want to, you know, continue in that direction. Um, yeah, the thing with Willie Monroe, um, you know, seeing that, you know, he's, you know, gone up against the likes of Gennady Golovkin and, you know, up against Billy Joe Saunders is that he he's there at middleweight, but it doesn't seem like he carries enough um, pop behind his punch. Uh, to make, you know, people be honest about, you know, him being at that middleweight division. So, um, you know, I don't see where he's going to be able to do that much to really phase uh, Jamal Charlo in that fight that he has uh, with him on December 22nd. And on the flip side, kind of like see the same thing with Tony Harrison, um, you know, where he went up against Jared Hurd. He was able to, you know, give a good out there against Jared Hurd, but, you know, ended up fading down the stretch, and that ended up being his downfall. So, not sure what, you know, I get out of that uh, there for this matchup. So, that's why I say that, you know, they kind of would have been a better job to kind of, like, position this in a different venue. But, you know, they didn't make it happen uh, there. So, that's pretty much what I got on that, man. Um the only other thing here that I would have probably touched on uh, was the thing about, you know, potentially having Errol Spence Jr. and Mikey Garcia facing each other on pay-per-view scheduled for February. Um, but I think I'm going to probably table that uh, for a little bit later until we get more details on it. So that's kind of like a teaser for uh, the next uh, version of the Boston Source radio show. Now, as far as, like, um, when that will be, I will have a little announcement about that because it may be either a special time for that or we may uh, table it uh, for um, this upcoming week. So uh, be on the lookout on the uh, Facebook page to get updates on the next episode of the Pox and Source radio show. But in the meantime, pretty much uh, drawing this episode to a close, uh, you'll have the podcast online through iTunes, Google Podcasts, um, Spotify, um, you know, all of those um, things where you could subscribe to the Pox and Source radio show and listen to all of those podcasts. Um, and I thank, you know, Matt and Mike Grady for calling in uh, to this particular show. And like I say at the end of every show, point of boxing is a hit and not get hit, not the sand and trade. On that note, I'm out. Have a good evening. <laughs>